This episode of Content Briefly is brought to you by our friends at Editor Ninja. Editor Ninja is the internet's favorite copy editing and proofreading service, focused on marketing content and especially blog posts and AI-generated content. Their editors will spruce up your team's writing and make sure to adhere to your style guide. We use Editor Ninja for Superpath Marketplace content, and I've been really pleased with the quality of the work and the quick turnaround time. With over 4.5 million words edited by real professional human editors in just 18 months, Editor Ninja has what it takes to edit your content correctly. You can go to EditorNinja.com to learn more. We meet weekly because we can make those minor adjustments on the ground. So those meetings are really important. Even if there's like a public holiday on a Monday, because the meetings are on Monday, we'll literally move it to the Tuesday so that it keeps running. Got it. You're not skipping until the next week. No, it doesn't skip. And yeah, we make micro adjustments. And then in terms of like when we see things dipping, then yes, we actually do reevaluate. So one example I can give you is we've been tracking the performance of specific email series that we run on a weekly and monthly basis. And if we're seeing like, I would say over the past year, we see it kind of dipping, then we ended up sunsetting some of them to make room for other new initiatives. Hey, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Content Briefly. Today, I'm talking to Mel Yap. She's a content lead at a company called Mountain, which is an ad network that allows any company to run advertisements on TV streaming services. So think Hulu and sites like that. You can now run a TV ad. So uh, television ads no longer just restricted to Budweiser and Chevrolet. Literally anyone can run one. It's pretty interesting because they're helping a lot of direct-to-consumer companies get in front of their target audience in a way that isn't totally reliant on Facebook and Instagram. We talk a lot about the business. There's a lot of cool stuff going on there. They have a content team of 10 running things like webinars, case studies, blog content, and a few other things. It's a very well-rounded program. It's a large company. They've raised like $185 million. So it's a mature and robust operation, but there's a lot to be gleaned from the way that they've gone about building out their content function. I think you really enjoy this one. Mel's fantastic, really smart, a lot of really good insights here. I learned a lot and I think you will too. Also, just a quick reminder to check out the new and improved Superpath Slack group. It's now 20 bucks a month. You can also get an annual discount. Your employer should probably cover it for you since it definitely counts as professional development. And I think what you'll find there is gonna be really exciting. There's some really interesting high-level strategy discussions, in-depth conversations on things like people management and career development. Honestly, it's awesome. I'm enjoying being in there more than ever. I think you will too. If you wanna check it out, just go to superpath.co slash community and sign up there. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Content Briefly. Really excited today to be chatting with Mel Yap, content marketing lead at a company called Mountain, which if I understand it right, is an advertising platform to allow companies to run TV ads. But maybe you could tell us more about that, Mel. And also, please give an intro to yourself. Tell us a little bit about your work at Mountain, but also maybe a quick overview of your career to date as well. Sure. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks for having me on the podcast. So my name's Mel and I am the content marketing lead at Mountain. I have a background in brand marketing, social media, and then obviously content for the past 15 or so years. I'm originally from Melbourne, Australia, but I moved to the US in 2013, kind of spent a lot of time in New York and LA. And now currently I'm in between Los Angeles and Hawaii. I work remote. So that's the pluses of of remote working. Yeah, that sounds nice. Yeah, it's great. So right now I'm in Los Angeles. The company that I work for, Mountain, is also based in Los Angeles. But like I said, it's 100% remote. And so... I lead a small pod of content marketers and our content marketing team is around 10 people. Oh, wow. Cool. I've been at Mountain for three and a half years now and I was the first content marketing hire. So basically we had a team of one person who was my manager 
and then I was the first basically direct report. And since then, over the past two-ish years, the team's pretty much grown like five times. So the content marketing function is a really solidly running engine at Mountain. And just to give you a bit of background of what Mountain does, we're a SaaS company and we help brands basically advertise on streaming TV. The idea is for it to be a self-serve platform where advertisers can upload their creative, sit their campaigns as they would do on paid search or social media, and then click launch. And basically it runs and optimizes just like any other digital marketing platform. And also it allows brands to tie performance metrics to their TV campaigns, which was not really thought possible in the days of old school or traditional television advertising. That's really cool. And actually very unique relative to many of the other SaaS companies that we've talked about on this podcast. When you say streaming services, are you talking about the Hulus of the world or now like lots of networks have their own streaming app? So I imagine there's probably a bunch of different streaming services that your customers can get access to. Yes, we access over 150 now. Oh, wow. Yeah, we kind of run the gamut in terms of getting brands seen on all of these streaming platforms. Very interesting. Is there a certain type of company that's a mountain customer? Like when I think of TV TV ads, I think of like pickup trucks and beer. (laughs) Obviously, there's a lot of other good stuff out there. And I wonder too, like do streaming services allow more opportunities for companies that sell niche products, for example, to reach their audience? without it just being something that everybody likes, like Bud Light or something like that? Absolutely. So to answer your question, the main customer base, I would say, is more DTC customers, you know, like your traditional retail e-commerce. But the idea with Mountain is to kind of open that accessibility up and make it possible for brands and advertisers of all sizes, whether that be small businesses in a niche market, as you say, to our more esteemed and established companies like big FMCG companies, to advertise on television. In the days past, television advertising has always been seen as something that you need big budgets for. Like you'll see, like you're saying, via companies advertising on the Super Bowl. But we're trying to turn that conception around and show that, yes, it's possible if you're a small brand with a smaller budget or like a niche market, you can definitely get your brand seen by the right people on these streaming networks. On a recent episode, we talked to a guy named Ash Reed who created a website called Living Cozy, which was initially just a directory of kind of like home and kitchen direct-to-consumer companies. And his thinking was that it's really difficult for these companies to get in touch with new customers. They have to rely so heavily on platforms like Facebook and Instagram, which are increasingly expensive and competitive. So he was just trying to help discoverability. Ended up turning into a pretty interesting content play and then sold the business. And I sort of raised that because I wonder if as direct-to-consumer companies in particular think about ways to reach their customers and they're starting to get frustrated with just relying on social media networks, which are really, really tough. And like I said, increasingly expensive, that TV is probably an option that they haven't really thought about. And so this is a very long windup into asking you, about if that's true, how does that affect your content strategy? Like, how are you thinking about getting in front of the prospective customers that you would like checking out Mountain? Is TV already on their mind and you're just trying to convince them to use Mountain versus a competitor? Or is it like a totally new channel for them? Oh, that's a great question. It's actually a bit of both. So in terms of our content strategy, we have kind of two types of personas if we were going to look at a high level. So that's people who are already using, like our clients who are already using the platform and they need educational material or support in kind of better understanding our positioning as a company. And then on the other side, there's people who've never advertised on TV before. They didn't realize that, oh, hey, you know, I can advertise on TV and I can also even show the ROI that my TV ads are actually being linked to revenue or ROAS or like conversions. 
So it's a two-prong approach that we look at trying to like reach both of those audiences. Got it. Could you give us, it doesn't have to be too specific, but maybe just a rough breakdown of the 10 people on the team, like how many folks are working on strategy or ops or content creation or other things? Sure. So recently we restructured. So right now the team is split into two. So I lead basically the, I would say more like forward-facing type of content. So we're looking at a little bit more long-term, a couple of months to a year out. We're looking at seasonal events throughout the year where people would want to advertise on TV or just advertise in general. So whether that be you know Q4, which is like a huge money-making quarter for everyone, for retailers generally, you know Mother's Day, Father's Day, summer. I also kind of handle a lot of the content marketing metrics. I do kind of manage the email marketing as well. And I manage a team of two. So two content marketers, one of them kind of handles case studies with our clients and trying to source more case studies and actually working with the CSMs and the client on kind of talking up Mountain's performance results. And she also kind of works on seasonal stuff as well. And then the other person on my team kind of manages like a mix of email, social and blog as well. Then the other half of the team is managed by another content marketing lead who oversees basically webinars and events. And I see those more as they're more reactive on the ground, more like what's happening in the industry right now. So those are kind of planned ahead of time. And with that, there's attached many different deliverables like email, social, video, landing pages, blog posts, a lot of stuff. So yeah, it's split in that regard. Got it. So it sounds very well-rounded. Sometimes you ask folks about the makeup of their content team and it's like a content lead and then content creators. And that team might be oriented around building organic traffic with not a ton else going on. But it sounds like at Mountain, the content folks are covering email, social, case studies, webinars, blog content, maybe even other things. Could you talk a little bit about that more well-rounded approach? I like it because it doesn't mean you're relying too heavily on any one thing. And then additionally, it means you're not overly reliant on algorithms too. Like I always worry if a company is like exclusively doing SEO content that they put themselves at risk, right? Same thing if they rely exclusively on email or exclusively on webinars. But it sounds like you all have plenty of things going on, which probably gives you a much better understanding of like who the customers are and how they're becoming customers. Yes, it's a very well-rounded engine, I would say. We are a very efficient team. And I think to your point, we literally do everything. So we own everything that's content related and we do have a separate team. Like we partner with product marketing, design, and then we have an events and partnerships team that are responsible for like sourcing the partnerships with like AdAge and AdWeek and all of our media partners. And so in terms of like types of format that we write to, it's literally everything that you mentioned. It's email, social media, organic and paid, website copy, white papers, webinar outlines. So when I say webinar outlines, I mean the actual like presentation itself, the talking points that we give to the speakers to help educate them and get them prepared. We do case studies, blog posts, SEO is one part as well that we have somewhat outsourced, but we still oversee it. So we have another like a separate agency kind of helping to manage and write that. But we have an SEO person in-house who sits on a different team that kind of gives us the guidelines on like, you know, you have a blog post. This is what the title should be. This is what the heading should be and provides like a structure for us to follow. So we are covered across all bases. Nice. You know, this is also making me think that this is a content strategy built around SQLs. Is that your primary metric? And I noticed on the site that it looks like the call to action is to book a demo. So I'm imagining it's like, you want SQLs, you want people on the phone, you want to show them what the product looks like. It's not just like a 
test it out with a free trial and see if people convert kind of thing. No, ultimately is to drive demos and to support the sales team and the customer success team, drive leads and stay with Mountain. So those are the two main goals. Oh, interesting. So you said stay with Mountain. Does that mean that the content team is doing things beyond the initial conversion? Like, are you doing things to help the customer success team retain customers as well? Correct. Yeah. So one thing that I'm working on actually right now and will be working on in 2024 is since I kind of take ownership of the seasonal calendar where we map out what's happening throughout the year, what seasons are important to our customers and also like fueling them with advice and best practices on setting up their campaigns so that they're set up for success. So I'm working actually very closely with our, we call them the platform experience team. They manage the actual UI itself and that relation to that with the customers. And then we also have the customer success team, which I basically manage the accounts. So kind of working with both of those teams to see how we can use the messaging that my team have adapted for these seasonal pushes through the actual UI so that it's like a unified message. And so we're actually building that out for 2024. So yes, our team definitely support them as well in just continual education of our customers and making sure that they understand our value prop and want to stay with us. I'm imagining that for companies, particularly companies who have not run television ads before, that it's maybe a little bit intimidating. There's a lot of things that go into running a good ad that are probably quite different from other performance marketing that these companies have done before, right? Like it's not just about copywriting, you know, and a great image. Like there's there's a video component. There's probably a lot of mistakes that you all have seen other companies make that you can kind of steer new customers away from. It just kind of feels like it'd be a content-rich opportunity to educate these people on on how to do it well and therefore retain them as customers. Definitely. And we actually have a whole playbook on creative best practices because there is like a standard set of things that we recommend to advertisers who want to get on CTV. You know, things like adding a CTA, making sure that your URL is prominent, making sure that your watermark is somewhere on the screen at all times to kind of increase recall and brand recognition. So we make sure that we embed those in our seasonal series and then just throughout the year with a lot of the collateral that we produce. Really cool. Could you talk a little bit about how you and the rest of the content team interface? I would imagine there's probably some meeting cadence and some asynchronous communication. It's it's a lot of people. So I'm just curious, like how you all stay on the same page about everything. Mm -hmm. So we have a senior director of content marketing who leads the team. So he kind of sets some strategic direction. He also works with our CMO. We have a senior VP of marketing who oversees the whole marketing team. And they'll work together to kind of figure out what are the OKRs for each quarter and just like the direction that we want to head in. So that's kind of on a strategic level. And then in terms of like meeting cadence, We have like twice a week meetings where the whole team regroups. We kind of chat about what we're working on. And then there's also like a content leads meeting once every two weeks. There's a smaller pot of us where the content leads in our director regroup and chat about things that are kind of happening on the ground right now in in each of our different pods. Each pod kind of has their own meetings. So I meet with my two direct reports and then the other lead also regroups with his direct reports as well. But we all ladder up to the senior director. Got it. And then are you using Asana, Notion, some other project management tool to track not just content production, but campaigns or seasonal things or anything else going on? Yeah. Rike is our source of truth. I don't know if you've used it before, but... No, I haven't used it. I'm not familiar with Rike. Yeah, it's our project tool. It's like the most important tool that we use because we just there's so many moving parts. So. Oh, I love when I hear about new tools. It's Rike, W-R-I-K-E. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. All right, I have to check that out. I'm curious also about reporting. Are there a handful of metrics that matter most to you? And then in addition to that, how do you report? Is there like a Google Data Studio dashboard or a spreadsheet or something that's updated that you all go through on a monthly or quarterly basis? Yeah, metrics is very important to us. So we actually look at that weekly. So myself, our content lead, our team lead, 
Then we have other departments like our digital marketing or performance marketing team who are really, they're the ones who really focus on the SQLs and demos and how to like link everything to content. So that's kind of what their role is. Our SEO person is on that call as well. And then we have other departments like RevOps who are helping us build out dashboards. Yeah, we do use Data Studio. We look at a dashboard overall in terms of which parts of the website are driving growth. Then our paid social team will report on how are conversions looking for each of these different channels that we're advertising on paid. And then from my point of view, I look at email metrics. I pretty much run the email marketing calendar and like scheduling and writing most of those emails. So we'll look at open rates click to open rates. We use Marketo. So we have like a dashboard that we use there. And then I also use like Google Sheets to manually like look and pull together charts. And then in terms of metrics, at the end of the day, it's going to be like opportunities. So like which customers are we closing and which ones are moving on through the sales funnel to actually be a mountain customer. I can't really talk specifically about the MQLs and SQLs because that's not really in my wheelhouse and not something that my team really look at as closely as the performance marketing team. Got it. That makes sense. Are there other content-specific metrics that you like to keep tabs on, even top-level metrics like page views or organic visits or things like that? Yeah, page views, organic visits, engagement, like time spent on page, bounce rate. Yes, we look at all of those on a weekly basis. Got it. So meeting weekly is interesting. It's fairly frequent, more frequent than what I hear from many other content folks. And I'm curious, what happens when the numbers don't look like you want them to? Like if they dip one week or they dip for two consecutive weeks, what happens? Are you making micro adjustments or are you and the team sitting down and rethinking bigger picture items if the numbers aren't looking the way you want them to? Yeah. So we meet weekly for that reason, because we can make those minor adjustments on the ground. So those meetings are really important. Even if there's like a public holiday on a Monday, because the meetings are on Monday, we'll literally move it to the Tuesday so that it keeps running. Got it. You're not skipping until the next week. No, it doesn't skip. And yeah, we make micro adjustments. And then in terms of like when we see things dipping, then yes, we actually do reevaluate. So one example I can give you is like with email strategy specifically, we've been tracking the performance of specific email series that we run on a weekly and monthly basis. And if we're seeing like, I would say over the past year, we see it kind of dipping, then we ended up sunsetting some of them to make room for other new initiatives. Got it. I wanted to ask you about the email stuff too. Is your email work primarily focused on newsletter style email where you're sharing content with subscribers or is there kind of promotional stuff like inviting people to webinars or even lifecycle or behavioral emails that are triggered based on an action someone takes? It's now a mix of both. I can tell you when I first started in my role, it used to be mainly just emails sent to the entire database and then webinars. When we first started webinars in 2021, it used to be sent to just the full list. Since then, we now have a mix of all three. So I would say we do have promotional emails sent to the full list which were most of our regular recurring email series. Then we have specific emails where it's like subscriber only. There's one called the CTV report, which one of my direct reports manages and leads. So that's kind of like talking about just top level industry trends. And that's sent out on a weekly basis. We also do like a thought leadership series where we actually comment on what's happening real time in the industry. And we have like regular meetings about that. So that's a little bit of a different perspective, like commentary from our team. And then we have, again, webinars and events. So that has a full cadence attached to it, like promo recaps. Yeah, which I, I write those. And then also to your point, trigger and nurture campaigns. We have started introducing those as well, where it's basically triggered by if someone signs up for a newsletter, they're going to receive X number of emails or something, like our seasonal series that I was chatting about earlier. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. You know, what you just said about some of the email stuff made me think of a question that we don't usually ask people, but I'm curious about, which is how important is mastering the 
tools that you use to your daily job? Like for example, Marketo, I've actually never used Marketo. My understanding though is that there is a learning curve associated with it. Same as there is for a lot of other kind of like enterprise grade marketing automation tools, even tools like Data Studio. You mentioned your own spreadsheets where you're probably doing some of your own data analysis. You really need to be quite fluent in these tools to be able to get the full value out of them versus having to like wait around for somebody else to do a thing in the tool so that you can keep doing your job. Yeah, I would say there's definitely a learning curve with Marketo. I don't know if there's any people on Superpath who are working at Adobe, but feedback from all of them, it's, <laughs> it's a little bit of a challenge to get acclimated to. But once you are acclimated to it, it's pretty turnkey. We have a design team which have actually helped us automate a lot of the email stuff. So they actually uh, set up templates for different emails that we run. So all I need to do is go in, no coding required, just go in, copy and paste text, upload new images or replace images. Sometimes they embed the links in there and so that it's it's easy for me to run without having to get our dev person involved with custom coding. Nice. Yeah, that's great. My experience with email is that for my skill set, I run into a lot of problems that require someone smarter than me, <laughs> which is really frustrating. So it's great. Like having some dev resources, building in templates so that you can not have to worry about things that are not within your circle of competence. Exactly. That actually leads me to another thing which I wanted to ask you about. Is there an editing or quality control person that's reviewing emails, blog posts, and other copy that goes out the door? And if so, is that person on the team or are they a contractor? Yeah. So we recently brought on a content editor. So she is responsible for being that final brand voice before anything has gone out. And having her on the team has been really valuable because I think she's helped to really shape the brand voice. She's great editing chops. I mean, she comes from a journalist background. So it's just been great having her there to kind of help support the team. So we do have a QA process with our team. So that's all built into right. Everything that is written basically needs to go through a specific workflow. So then nothing really slips through the cracks. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. Sorry, I'm hitting you with a lot of questions <laughs> here because there's a lot of, I have so many things I would, I'm curious to learn more about. Another is sales. Like how do you interface with the sales team? Do you have regular meetings with them? I would imagine there's just like a lot to be gleaned from understanding like what's happening in the sales process. Yeah, so that's mainly with our team lead. So he basically meets with the sales leaders and kind of talks through like sales support. We're going to build out a process where we're looking at the types of customers that we support. So it's like building out a sales program for each of those segments to help support those sales teams in outreach and prospecting. Yeah, yeah. Supporting them with the tools and the materials they need. Got it. One thing I'm kind of sensing is that, well, for a lot of companies, as they grow, the content team's role starts to change. You know, it begins in the very early stages as a growth function. It's just like a way to get awareness, get people on the website, and hopefully convert a few. As a company raises more rounds, as the team grows, as the types of customers are typically also, the accounts are growing in size too. Sometimes the content team role changes where it's not not just a growth function anymore, but it's also sort of an internal agency that helps service other parts of the business. Are you finding that? Yeah, absolutely. I can see just from the time that I started in the role to now over the past three and a half years, it's changed so much because our marketing department is seen as very, unlike other marketing teams in the past that I have worked for, I feel like marketing has always been seen almost like an afterthought and not a priority. But in this instance at Mountain, it's definitely like seen as a big driver of sales and prospects and helping lead gen. So yes, there's definitely value to our team. And like in terms of like even goals, our team actually has specific goals that we need to hit monthly. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like our partnerships and events team, they have specific like content leads that they need to hit each month. And that is tied to what we do because we supply them with that content. And that number continues to grow each month with more aggressive targets. 
So the business does see the value of the marketing and the content marketing team. And that's why they give us these aggressive targets to hit because they know that we're delivering results. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm really impressed by the marketing function there and specifically the content team that you've helped build. Sounds like you all are hitting all the right notes and have kind of de-risked the content function in a way too, right? Like teams who rely too heavily on any platform that's driven by algorithms have potential risks in their program. Whereas like, obviously you have to dabble in SEO, you have to do social, even email is somewhat algorithm driven, but because you have a lot of different things going on, I think the marketing function is very well protected from that. Also, it sounds like the company just has a good relationship with their customers and understanding the sales process, understanding customer success and all that is probably like the number one way to continue to do good content. So yeah, kudos to you all. I'm curious about your freelance work too. Like what kind of freelance work do you do? And I'm curious if TV has become your thing or if your freelance work is kind of outside of that. Yeah. So my freelance stuff, I've been doing that the past since I've been like started writing, which is, you know, over 15 years ago, I started writing for kind of little publications in Melbourne. And so that's kind of grown and specifically ramped up during the pandemic where I just, I was like inundated with just clients at that time. And so I mainly work with, at the moment, B2B tech companies or like startups. It's not really streaming TV specific. It's a little bit of mix of content strategy, kind of hero marketing collateral, like landing pages, white papers. I've done some social media strategy as well in the past, but I am trying to move towards those kind of bigger high touch projects. And it's something I really enjoy. Like, I think it's really helped me in my current role as well. It's a vice versa type of effect. For sure. Where can we send people to learn more about that? And also social handles too. Like where can we direct people to connect with you and learn more about some of that? Yeah. So my website is Melly Yap, M-E-L-L-I-E-Y-A-P, P for Peter, dot Yap. And then in terms of social media, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Look up Melissa Yap. Mountain, M-N-T-N. And yeah, I would love to connect and chat with fellow like content marketers and just see what everyone else is doing in the space and learn from the whole community. It's been really valuable. Very cool. We'll make sure we link to your personal website and your LinkedIn in the show notes so people can go check those out. Mel, so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. You know, whenever we ask someone to be on the podcast, I recognize that an hour of your day is not insignificant. I'm sure you have plenty of work to do and many other things going on in your life. So we really do appreciate it. All good. Thanks for the opportunity. It's been great to be on this podcast. Absolutely. I hope we can do it again sometime. For sure. Cool. Take care. Thanks, Jimmy. Thank you.